what a joy to know that we have someone who cares and not only cares, but can do something about what we face. It's a reason we have hope. In fact, we're continuing this series on hope is here. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago that no matter what we're facing, no matter how chaotic, tired, etc., we might be, that there is hope in all those situations. Also, last week we had missionaries, Jordan and Rachel Thompson. They did such a wonderful job of sharing about what God is doing and how he's working there in Papua New Guinea. And they were illustrating the fact that hope is not just here in this location, not just here in this city, state, or country, but hope is wherever Christ is, which is everywhere. And this morning, we're continuing to look at this. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, you're going to take a look in the New Testament. That's to the right side. Back toward the back, two books we're going to take a look at. Ephesians chapter 2 and 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 3. Now, to understand hope, we try to figure out a definition, but hope is really difficult to really define. In fact, I would love, here's an assignment for you this week. Didn't know you were getting homework, did you? This week, I would love for you to jot down, type down, text, whatever, send it to me or bring it to me, your definition of hope. If you were going to finish the sentence, hope is, how would you finish that? I would love to hear what you have. Maybe some of them will even be part of a sermon coming up. I'll give you credit. Unless you don't want it, then I'll take it. But hope is a powerful thing. And I want you to take a look with me here in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. It says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now we have hope because of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, a living hope. And then this last verse, which is kind of our focus for today. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Look at the middle of that verse. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. This morning, we're taking a look at understanding hope, being prepared or preparing for hope. I'm going to guess you haven't thought a whole lot about preparing to have hope. Preparation is a powerful and necessary thing in everything we do. 
<coughs> excuse me. If you're a student or think back to when you were, no matter how far back it was, you had tests. And if you didn't prepare, you didn't do well on the test. Now, some of you are in your mind bragging right now and going, I never studied and I did fine. Yeah, but you still prepared because you had listened in class, evidently. Trust me, you were not innately that smart. There was some preparation. For a job, they go through a training process. Some have a few years of an apprenticeship. All of that is training. And training is necessary for preparation. Thank you. I've trained her. Anybody who believes that, <laughs> you need to be examined. Um, but training matters. In athletics, preparation is key. Many coaches have talked about the fact that everyone who plays in a sport wants to win. They desire to win. In fact, that desire to win is about the same in all the athletes. The difference is some are willing to prepare better than others. Preparing for hope. How do you prepare for that? You see, being prepared means I am ready for it. Because if you're not prepared, you're not likely to even perceive that hope is possible for you. And if you don't perceive it, if you're not prepared, you certainly will not embrace hope. Preparation means being ready for it. I've shared before about, uh, I've coached several sports and for many years recently I coached volleyball. The very first place where I did that, um, I think it was my second year, we were at one of our conference rivals and in Michigan, in high school volleyball, they play best three out of five games to win, a, to win a match. And it was a doubleheader. We were playing the same team, two matches, which meant it could go eight, or excuse me, ten sets or games. We had already traveled an hour to get there, and the first two games of that match went horrible. We didn't just lose, we stunk. I mean, we... We didn't do anything right, including the coach. I mean, we didn't, it was just, it was so bad. And the third game, which would be the last game if we didn't win it of that first set, we were down either 10 or 11 to 2. I turned and looked at the bench and I pointed to Barbara to have her go in and serve. Now you have to understand that this was her third year in the program with me. And I bet in those three years, she had served a total of 10 times in all the matches she had played in. Part of the reason was just a lack of strength. You see, Barbara was this big around. I mean, those were her biceps. I mean, she was just skinny, okay? I mean, there was just nothing to her. So we're always going, come on, come on. Her freshman year, she couldn't even serve and get it to the net. But she had been doing better and she had really been working on this. And don't fault me, but one of my thoughts was, what do I have to lose? And I sent her in for one of the starters to serve and the whole bench kind of went. <gasps> <laughs> 
She made the first one. In fact, it was an ace. The problem was all of our other servers served hard. Barbara couldn't serve hard. So the ball just kind of floated over there. And it took them a while to adjust to that. And the next thing you know, Barbara had just served 15 straight points. Now their coach was upset. And they were scrambling. Our bench was cheering and the energy had come back. We ended up winning that game. In fact, we won that set. In fact, we swept them in the next set, three games to none. And it all started with one girl who was unexpected to play, but had prepared just in case. It wasn't great coaching. <laughs> it was great preparation on her part, but I had noticed she was ready. If you are going to have hope, hope in Jesus Christ, you need to prepare yourself to receive it. You need to prepare yourself to embrace it. You need to prepare yourself to be embraced by it. So let's take a look at these verses to understand that. Preparing for hope. First of all, to prepare for hope, you have to remember when you had no hope. It's a negative beginning, but we got to start here. We have to remember when we didn't have any. Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 13, talk about that. And it says you were without hope. You were away from Christ. In other words, we were separated from Christ. Maybe you still are. And when we're separated from him, there is no hope. Not eternally. We have to understand and remember when we had no hope, separated from Christ. Verse 12 of Ephesians 2 says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated. In fact, it goes on, it says, you were strangers having no hope without God. We have to remember that. Maybe it was not that long ago for you. Maybe it was a long time ago, but we need to remember if we're going to embrace hope and be prepared for the hope that God wants to provide for us when we had none so that we appreciate it. Secondly, we then need to make a pivot. And I love the first two words of verse 13 of Ephesians 2. It says, but now. I love that phrase. Because what it means is we're making a pivot. There's a change that's going to happen. Here's what it was. But now. Yeah, I was really struggling in my life. But now. We weren't doing well in our marriage. But now. The church wasn't doing so good. But now. That pivot that needs to take place, that but now moment. And any of us and all of us can have those moments to recognize that God desires for a pivot to take place in our life, to embrace him, to have him, and to know the hope that only comes from him. But now, in Christ, you have been brought near. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Nothing that you have done. 
It's all on him. The distance was on us. The nearness is on him. Because he has always desired, always pursued you. We just haven't always recognized it, embraced it, and believed it. To have hope and to be prepared for hope, there needs to be a pivot. We at least need to begin looking for it. That's part of the preparation. And you need to understand this truth. Your level of hope is directly connected to your closeness or distance of your relationship with Christ. Your level of hope is directly connected to your closeness or distance in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're still far off, the hope is going to be faint. It is drawing near to him, choosing to embrace his closeness to you. The Old Testament, especially in Joshua, is one of the times when the Israelites, God's people, needed to cross, in this case, a river, and it was uh, flooded and it was swollen and they needed to cross across to get into the promised land. And God said, I'm going to part it. You're going to be able to walk across, but I'm not going to part the water until you stick your feet in it. Now, not because their feet were nasty. That's not how it was going to separate, just making sure you're awake. But the priests were leading the way and they stood on the edge of the river and nothing happened. It wasn't until they got their feet wet. Now, when they first stepped in, the river was still there. But once they stepped in, then God stepped in and he parted the water. Unfortunately, as Mark Batterson wrote, we want God to part the river before we get our feet wet. The reason is, too many times, we'd like to have faith without having any faith. Lord, I, you know, Pastor, I want more faith. Well, there's got to be some trust. There's got to be some action. There's got to be some preparation. There's got to be obedience. Well, I don't want that kind of faith. Well, there is no kind of faith except that kind of faith. The other is called faithless. But I resonate with that quote from one of Mark Batterson's books. We want God to part the river before we get our feet wet. Why? So our faith doesn't require any faith. Some of you are at the edge of a river this morning. Something in your life that looks like, I'm not sure if I can get across. I, I trust God, but it'd be nice if he just part it right now. Now, if he said, don't cross the river, then get away from the river. But if he has said it's time to go across, then get your feet wet. Because he's not going to part it because there's no need to until you get your feet wet. Until you show him you're willing to cross whatever it is you're facing. It may be in a relationship. It may be in a job. It may be a physical need. It may be an emotional need. All kinds of things that it could be. But it's time for us to prepare for the hope he has for us and get our feet wet to what he desires. Number three, preparation for hope means we must have living hope. 
1 Peter 1.3. I love this verse. We used it last week as well. In 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope. Now, do you want an unliving hope? Do you realize what that's actually called? Something that's not living is dead. Very good. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste any time praying for some dead hope. That's not actually hope, is it? Please don't turn that definition into me this week. We're looking for a living hope, which is why we put our faith in Jesus Christ, because he is the living Lord, died and rose again, so that we can have life everlasting and to the full. We need and must have living hope His hope brings us to life. It brings life to us, and it brings us to his life. Without it, we are dead in our sin because we can't save ourselves. We can't get out of the mess ourselves. We can't part the water on our own. But also, I see an awful lot of Christians who want the living hope, they just don't want to live in the hope. Did you hear the distinction? They'd like living hope. They just don't want to live in hope. That's the person who's the opposite of Jenny Milroy, who had hope. And that's why we can celebrate through our tears. That's the person who wants that hope without living it. They want that hope without embracing it. They want to live without it. You see, we need to live in this hope daily, have a living hope. In other words, no matter what circumstances we're facing. Now, it doesn't mean we don't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean there are no problems. It means that even in the chaos, we have hope because Christ is with us. He loves us. He forgives and he strengthens us. This morning, I read something my son wrote five years ago on this day. He was getting ready. They were about to head back to Africa. Only they were going to be going instead of back to Kenya, back to Central Africa or to Central Africa Republic, living out in a village with no indoor plumbing. They had three light bulbs in the house. That was all the wiring you could have. And sometimes that didn't work. Our daughter-in-law and Todd, our son, were going to have to cook out on a fire. And they were willingly going there, out in the bush in a community of almost 20,000, where they were learning a new language and all kinds of stuff. But he was writing and saying how in two more days, I say goodbye to mom and dad. I say goodbye to nieces and nephews and sisters and brother-in-laws. He was going through all these things he was going to miss and how many years it would be before we had the things we had been doing the last few weeks before they left. And he said, some of you may ask why. He said, because God is worth it. Because his 
love, his hope, his forgiveness, his salvation is worth it. Do we believe that here? That it's worth it? That it's worth a little discomfort to walk across the street and talk to a neighbor who's far from God? Do we believe that it's worth it to turn to a coworker and befriend them even though their life is a lot different than ours? Do we believe it's worth it to humble ourselves, seek forgiveness from someone things aren't going well with? A living hope is because he loves us. Christ is with us. He forgives and strengthens and saves us. And then last, preparing for hope means we honor Christ with our life, with everything we do in our life to honor him. 1 Peter 3.15, in this preparation, says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord. Honor him as holy, always prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. To honor Christ with our life. Why? Because he's holy. And yet he loves us. He knows us. And yet he loves us. See, some of us are so scared that other people around us are going to really get to know us and then they won't like us, let alone love us. God actually knows us and he loves us. That's awesome. Because I know me. And he still loves me. We honor Christ because he is the reason that we even have hope. Without him, there is no hope. We honor Christ because he is faithful, which gives us hope. He has been faithful. He is faithful and he will be faithful. No matter what you're facing, hope is powerful. Hope can change the course of an individual's life and turn a family around. It can change generations. When somebody believes, hope can turn all kinds of things around, but we must prepare for it. You need to realize that preparation for hope is a choice, a personal choice we each have to make. I can't make it for you. I couldn't make it for my kids. My parents couldn't make it for me. Your spouse can't make it for you. Preparing and receiving the hope is a personal choice that you must make. So let me ask you a couple of questions in closing. Are you prepared for his hope today? Are you living in the hope of Christ? Not just making a claim for it, but are you living in it each day? Even on difficult days, it's not ignoring bad things. It doesn't mean if you go out to the parking lot right now and have a flat tire that you're going, woohoo, boy, am I excited. No, that's just dumb. What it means is that doesn't affect 
my relationship with Christ and I still have hope even when things don't go as I planned. Now, just in case anybody goes out and has a flat tire, I didn't do that for an illustration. But are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you living in this hope even on Mondays or Wednesdays at home or at work, at school, driving on the highway with people who don't know how to drive? Speaking to myself. And then let me ask this. How close is your relationship with Christ personally? Is he your savior? Is he your hope giver? If he's not, he can be. If he's not, trust me, he desires to be. If he's not, why not? Let's pray. Father, oh, wow. What a week this has been. Lord, the, for me, in my role, I, I was at both ends of the spectrum this week and doing a funeral service for a saint, dedicating a baby. And Lord, in both cases, hope reigns supreme. For the saint, the hope reigns supreme because of her testimony in her life and the promise of your word. For the baby, hope reigns supreme for all the same reasons and the life that is yet to be lived. Oh Lord, this morning, Help us to check our hearts. Speak into us this morning, answering that question if we're prepared for the hope you have for us. If we're living in the hope or just getting by on our own. If we're ready to embrace and be embraced by the saving, sustaining power of your hope. Lord, this morning for anyone that's here that has not received and embraced your hope, may this be the moment that they say, here I am, Lord. I say yes. And Lord, for that one who has followed you for a while, but circumstances have just beat them down recently. And this morning you've shown them that they've not really been living in the hope. May this be the moment to begin to fan back into flame that spark of hope that you've already given them. Lord, as we go this week, may we live in the hope. May we show that your hope is alive in us to all those around us. And may we honor you with how we live. In Jesus' hopeful and powerful name, I plead these things. Amen. Amen.